All right, well, we come together today on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And when we think of Palm Sunday, as Kelvin Todd was talking about, we think of Hosannas. We think of the incredible picture of a man riding into one of the great cities of the ancient world, great walls, the center of the region, and the population turning out to throw not just palm fronds in front of him, but their own clothing. The streets ringing with Hosanna, save now. And we think of this, and you know, the picture that it calls to my mind is of a ticker tape parade. Now we don't, with how Minnesota sports have been around here, we haven't had one of those in a long time. But if you've ever seen one of them, maybe not in person, but on TV, or if you can remember what it was like when the twins won, it's a big parade. Everyone turns out. It's a symbol of victory. And everybody probably was hoping that that was the case with Jesus. We know that was what people were hoping for. We know what people were expecting of the Messiah, a person who would achieve victory. Now, what they misunderstood, of course, was that Jesus' victory was to come one week later. The Palm Sunday, the Hosannas, people were hoping for a different victory. They were hoping for a victory over Rome. They were hoping for a victory for the people of Israel. They were hoping for physical victory. Jesus came to bring spiritual victory. He came to bring victory over death, over sin. That's what Jesus came to bring. And their hosannas were correct. They just didn't realize it. You know, the fact is, as Christians, sometimes we understand that we are promised victory. Listen, God gave to bring us not just life, but a more abundant life. Jesus Christ promises us victory. But sometimes we have a little misunderstanding about what that victory looks like. Partially that's because there's a lot of people who make it their business, emphasis on the word business, to convict you what, or convince you what victory looks like. They say, You're, the victory God wants to give you is riches. Victory God wants to give you is success. Sometimes a little bit more Christian people, a little bit more holy people, they say, God wants to give you success in the sense sense of he wants you to reap a hundredfold. He wants you to have a lot of disciples. Well, that's certainly true. We want disciples. We, We pray for disciples. We sow seed liberally. Or they say, listen, God wants to give you a family structure that's perfect tight, all together in in following Jesus Christ. There's a whole variety of different ways that we can think of being victorious. You know, the issue with that is sometimes we can get those things without being victorious. You could have a close family that's not a saved family. Or you can have a lot of disciples who aren't disciples of Jesus Christ, 
or you can have a lot of money and be completely destitute spiritually. We all know this. We all know this, but still it can seep in. Well, we're learning today, we're reading today about one of the most fascinating characters in Scripture. A man for whom Jesus Christ himself said, there's never been one born of woman greater. A pretty, pretty big statement. This is a big statement about a man, John the Baptist. And yet, Jesus said, the least of the, in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. John the Baptist was somebody who, if you look at him at the end of his life, if you look at his ministry, there's a fascinating question that comes to my mind. The fascinating question is, why did John need to have his own ministry? Right? Think about this. John was the person who came before Jesus Christ. But he lived in the same day as Jesus Christ. He lived in the same time. They're almost exactly the same age. Not only that, at various times he was ministering in very similar places. They met together. And they were preaching fairly similar things. Why did John need to exist? Why did John need to be there? That's one question that comes out. And we, we sometimes, uh, it was interesting when I was thinking about this because, uh, you know, sometimes I have, have this thought as well. We, we each think our ministry needs to be the most, quote, important ministry. And sometimes we can have a little bit of competition with other ministries. Well, why did John need to exist? But we even, without, before we get into this question, we need to examine and uh, uh, really dig into whether John was victorious, whether he was a success. John died before Jesus. John died before Jesus, and he didn't rise from, raised from, well, he wasn't raised from the dead. There were rumors that he might have been raised from the dead when people heard about Jesus. They said, well, maybe this is John raised from the dead, and it wasn't. They were relatives, but it wasn't John raised from the dead. He just died. Fascinating. We'll, we'll look into this a little bit in Acts. He had some disciples, and he had some disciples who went on. But in fairly short order, those disciples, they heard about Jesus, and they started following Jesus. They weren't following the baptism of John anymore. What was the purpose of John? Well, John was sent of God. John was greatly and richly used of God. And the coming of John was prophesied. This was somebody very important. Somebody who isn't spoken about very much in our scripture, a bit, but certainly we read more than about a lot of the disciples than we do of John. And yet somebody so important that I think it's important that on this Palm Sunday, as we focus on the victory of Jesus Christ, I think it's also useful to think about a little bit the victory of John. Uh, let's start off at the beginning. Who was John? John was a relative of Jesus. And yet John 
as miraculous as Jesus' birth. Okay, maybe not as miraculous. Certainly plenty miraculous. Was his birth. His mother was barren. His father was a priest. Now this is, this is something that's really fascinating to look at. We've got Jesus and John around a similar time frame, relatives, but very different backgrounds. Jesus was born out in Galilee, the sticks, kind of a country bumpkin, as it were. People didn't think highly of Nazareth or Galilee. John was born where it was happening. He was in Jerusalem, and he was the son of a priest. The priests at that, in that, those days, it was, it was a select group. It was an important group. It was a high-status group. It gave you access to a lot of potential things in terms of your education, in terms of your standing in the community. And not only was he born into somewhat good circumstances in the center of that region, certainly in the center of the worship of God, his father was participating in serving God in a way that almost nobody else in the country had access to, nobody else in the world. He was actually going into the temple to serve God. Not only that, but his birth was, uh, was mysterious. It was miraculous. We see with, when his father was struck dumb, just the fact that Elizabeth was pregnant was a miracle. But then his father is struck dumb until he has to announce the name by writing it down. His name shall be John. And then he's able to speak. And we read uh, in Scripture this incredible prophecy of John's father saying that you will go before the, the one who is to come. And so we see this with John from his early days. Doubtless he knew about his important role. And yet where did he end up? Where was he? He wasn't there in the center of, all, of it all. He wasn't what I would call a popular fellow for a variety of reasons. To put it bluntly, John was a bit of a weirdo. There's no other way to put it. John was a strange guy. How do we know this? Well, he ate locusts and honey. Have you guys ever felt the need seeing a grasshopper go by to chomp on one. I've eaten some bugs before. I'm going to tell you they're not all that great. You know, they, they, you see sometimes in fancy restaurants they want to cook some bugs because they cook it in other countries. They want to, well, this is something interesting. This is cricket's legs. No, we, we've, there's a reason we don't eat that. You know, I'll, I'll stick to hamburgers or pizza or things of that nature. I don't need to be eating crickets. The fact is that he was eating locusts and honey, and this was strange. That's why it's put in Scripture. This was strange. He was living out in the wilderness, eating whatever he could find in the wilderness. Number one, he was out in the wilderness. He was out in the deserts. And what was he wearing? Was he wearing nice clothes? Was he looking good? Well, number one, he was out in the desert. The desert in those days didn't have laundromats. So whatever he was wearing probably wouldn't have been that great. But what was he wearing? about the most uncomfortable clothing that you could wear. John, by any 
standard was an ascetic. He was a person who was absolutely dying to the pleasures of the flesh. Anything that felt good, that tasted good, he seemed to avoid it. He was out in the wilderness. If you wanted to hear what John had to say, you had to go find him. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to be popular. He wasn't trying to be impressive. And frankly, he wasn't trying to make friends. What was his message? Repentance. And it wasn't just repentance. It wasn't just, listen, guys, add Jesus Christ to your life. Well, he wasn't even preaching about Jesus at this point. He wasn't preaching about Jesus at all. He was preaching repentance. Well, he wasn't saying, come to God, you know, you might need him. He was saying, you are a generation of vipers. Now, who was his scorn most aimed at? I'll tell you what, Pharisees, not just the Pharisees, the political leaders as well. Basically, anyone who ordinarily you would want to be friends with. We have a tendency that that way sometimes in our churches, right? Where we tend to say nice things about the people we want to be friends with us. Now, for some people, that's saying nice things about celebrities. They got a lot of celebrities, a lot of rich people coming to their churches. They're going to say nice things about them. And they're going to say, listen, you know, just donate a little bit to, just donate a little bit to our, uh, our coffers and you'll be in good with God. Or other people, maybe they got a lot of, they got a lot of poor folk at their church. And so they're going to preach poor people are righteous. The other people are wicked. We have a tendency, right, to whoever's in front of us, we preach the words they want to hear and we save our scorn for the people who aren't here right? Those people who are out there, they're the bad ones. You guys are all right. Maybe you got a little things, some things to tweak. Guess what? What did John the Baptist, we read this in, in Luke chapter 3. Who were his messages to? He is saying to you, O generation of vipers. He's not saying the generation of vipers out there. He's saying you're the generation of vipers. The powerful Religious leaders, the people most looked up to of the day, he's saying, you're a generation of vipers. People are coming to him and saying, what should we do? And he's telling them hard things. He's saying, if you've got two coats, in other words, if you've got two pairs of items of clothing in this world, give one away. You don't need to. He's saying, if you've got enough meat, you got enough food for two days, give away the extra. That's not a very popular message. Certainly not a popular message for the well-off, just as it wouldn't be a very popular message for those who are accustomed to the acclaim and regard uh, of people who acclaim them to be holy, as the Pharisees and Sadducees were, to be called vipers. Publicans, tax collectors came to him. They said, what shall we do? He said, stop stealing. Stop stealing people's money. Stop exploiting people by taking too many taxes and just keeping the rest for yourself. Soldiers come to him. He says, be just. Don't use your, the ability that you have because you're strong, because you have weapons, because you have the authority of the state to do violence to, to other people. So this is his message. It's a message very much of, listen, 
Every one of you needs to repent. They don't need to repent out there. You need to repent in here. And furthermore, we see later in Scripture what eventually did him in is that the rulers of the nation, he said it is not lawful for you to take your brother's wife. He he spoke truth directly to them. He made powerful, powerful enemies. He wasn't afraid. We see with John, he was not afraid. John the Baptist, he was not afraid. So he had all of these things, a strong message, a message that wasn't out there to win him friends, but he spoke the truth, and he spoke the truth to those who needed to hear it. He did all of these things, and yet he was also humble. He was also humble. You know, some people are ascetic in the sense of denying the flesh in a way that is outward to make themselves feel more important, right? Jesus talked about these people. He said, you fast and you want everyone to know about it. You pray, you donate, you want everyone to know about it. You want to look good. You want other people to think you're great. Well, John the Baptist, when they came to him, they would ask him questions. Are you the Christ? And he'd say no. And furthermore, he wouldn't just say no. He'd say, listen, my ministry that I'm doing. By the way, think about this. John the Baptist, Jesus didn't baptize people. His disciples did. But John came baptizing people. And we'll, we'll see, obviously, eventually, God chose John to be the one to baptize Jesus which was blessed of God, that symbol, by the symbol of the Holy Ghost coming down and filling Jesus Christ. We'll see that. That was part of his ministry. But he said about his own ministry, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's saying, listen, I'm doing some ministry right now. I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm baptizing. I'm called to baptize, and as Jesus was about to, was going to tell him, I'm called to baptize Jesus Christ. I'm called to baptize this person. I'm called to make the way straight for that those who are coming for that him who comes behind me, who is going to uh, baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's going to do these things. My ministry is not to be compared to him, and I am not to be compared to him. I'm not worthy to unlatch uh, his shoe. We see this, John was not just a man of great courage, not just a man of great self-denial, not just a man of great truth, great fire, great zeal, man of great humility. John had this incredible ministry that was prophesied hundreds of years before that he knew about from when he was a young child and that he lived out in his short time on earth. He was all of these, all of these things. And yet, what was he called to do? What did he do? We don't read that much about John's ministry. Now, we know some things about John's ministry. We know his disciples fasted. We know that because some of his disciples even came to Jesus and say, why aren't you doing what we're doing? We know that he was out in the wilderness. 
We know that he had a fiery, fiery uh, message. We know that he baptized. But what are the, some of the things that he actually did? Well, one of them, as I just alluded to, is he baptized Jesus Christ. Now, again, the humility, when Jesus came to John to be baptized, John says, you should be baptizing me. John acknowledged, I am an imperfect, fallen human being. I'm going to baptize the Son of the living God. I'm going to baptize the Messiah. And Jesus said, this is what needs to be done for the cause of righteousness. This is what needs to be done. This is part of why you were sent to earth. Was to perform this symbol of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's why on Easter we have, we have baptisms because it symbolizes death and new life. But also to have the occasion of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now there's mysteries to Jesus' upbringing. We don't know that much about Jesus' upbringing. But do you know what? From what I read, the first thing that we read Jesus Christ saying, other than something he said in childhood about being about his father's business, is something he said to John. This was the start of his ministry, and it was started by John the Baptist baptizing him. John did this. John's message came before and was echoed by Jesus Christ. Do you know something that I didn't even realize until I was studying for this sermon? Was John also provided disciples to Jesus Christ? We read that in Scripture, that, Jesus, uh, that John said to two of his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the, sin of the sins of the world. And then they followed him. He, now think about this. Think about the humility of this man. Both to say, my ministry is not to be compared to that who's coming after me. And I am not to be prepared for that, him who's coming after me. And furthermore, to not seek his own uh, advancement. And furthermore, even to say, listen, you disciples, it's about time for you to follow the real thing. It's about time for you to follow the Lamb of God. He actually uh, 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 encouraged disciples, a couple of his disciples, who were meant to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to follow him. We see this great humility. Now, these are the things that he did that had abiding consequence, abiding uh, importance. But you know what? What we also see about John is that as this was going, again, the question comes up, why didn't John join Jesus Christ? He knew who Jesus Christ was. He acknowledged it when he baptized him. He certainly knew of uh, that he was coming before the, the person who was to be the Messiah. And yet we also see there were times where John the Baptist had some questions about Jesus. He had some, maybe we would even say, doubts 
When John the Baptist was in prison, he sent disciples to say, Are you the right one? Jesus, are you the one? Or do we wait for another? Now, that, these, these were concerns that may well have been related to the different way that Jesus' ministry operated. We see this. Jesus talks about it very frankly. He said, listen, John the Baptist and I are different. He said, John's out in the wilderness eating honey, and I'm eating dinner with publicans and sinners. I wear nicer raiment. I got clothes. Now, Jesus wasn't out there trying to be a fashion icon, but he also wasn't wearing the sort of strange, unusual garments that John the Baptist was wearing. That's not what he was out there trying to do. And he said, guess what? John the Baptist does things this way, and they say, he's insane. He's crazy. And I do things a different way, and they say, he's a sinner. He's a wine-bibber. He's a drunkard. He said, listen, no. They each had their role. And John's role was to point people to Jesus. And yet John's role was to continue to do his own ministry where he had been placed. We don't see any indication in Scripture that Jesus said, Listen, John, why are you trying to hog my limelight here? I'm here now. You've done a good job of preaching repentance. Now the only person is coming who is going to give access to regeneration through his death. I'm here. John, you can take a break. You can come be my right-hand man. No. John continued to do what he was supposed to do. Some people think uh, within about a year of Jesus' ministry starting, John was dead. Think about how much time there was and think about when John's uh, own ministry had to have started. It had to have also been a short ministry. But John continued his work. John continued his work John continued to preach repentance to everybody from the, the, the tax collectors who were coming to him, the poor people who were coming to him, to the very kings of the land. John continued to do his work. And yet, how did his work end? How did his, his work end with his head being chopped off? And his his head being brought on a plate to the king. Kind of an ignominious end. And furthermore, not just being chopped off uh, after, uh, you know, some great trial. There was no Paul and Felix sort of confrontation. Herod loved to talk to John, and he did talk to John. But he was just in a dungeon, and the king decided to have some, some dancing girls in, and a girl danced. He thought she was pretty attractive. He said, I'll give you anything you want. She said, you know what? My mom's always hated this John the Baptist because he spoke against the marriage, said that it was not lawful, that it was adultery. Give me the head of John the Baptist on a plate. And for that cause, John was killed. His head was chopped off. He died alone in a dungeon. Jesus died on a tree, but at least his people were around him. 
At least his, his family was there. His disciples were there. John died all alone in a dungeon because the king got a little too interested in a random young dancing woman. For no reason, seems like, right? To our, our, our point of view. His disciples took him, they put him in a tomb. And we hear that he had followers, he had disciples. Apollos, one of a, the great preachers of the early New Testament church, he was a, a, somebody who followed the baptism of John. He had disciples uh, uh, in Ephesus. And yet what happened? The disciples of Jesus came and they, they taught them a more excellent way out of the scriptures and they became disciples of Christ. And after that point, there weren't disciples of John as far as I know. He had fulfilled his role. And yet, despite his more peculiar qualities, despite the fact that his ministry existed only to pave the way for Jesus Christ, his, any disciples or people that he had around him or family or anything else of that nature was gone in fairly short order. He certainly did not uh, 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 live on the same way that uh, even the other disciples of Jesus Christ did with their uh, writings preserved uh, as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yet, he was great. And he was great even doing his work separate from the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ praised him and said his work, he is uh, uh, the greatest of those born of women. Now, why was he great? This is what we come back to. Why did he have this separate ministry? Why did he have this separate uh, task that he was appointed? Well, very simply, because that's what God had appointed him to. God, for a hundred years, years before, of course, for time immemorial before, but certainly hundreds of years before, had planned on John the Baptist fulfilling the role that he took. He was created for that purpose. He was created to go before Jesus, to preach repentance, to baptize to baptize Jesus, to be arrested, to be beheaded, to be, at the end of the day, a footnote in Scripture in some ways. That's what he was created for. That's the role that he was meant to fulfill. This is what he was meant to do. God created him for this purpose. And this is why Jesus says... He was so great because he fulfilled the role that was placed before him. In a way that certainly led to many enemies, we also know from Scripture that the people who heard him understood and acknowledged the righteousness of the words that he had to say. When Jesus wanted to stump the Pharisees, he would just had to ask him, 
Is the baptism of John from God or not? Ooh. They couldn't say that because they knew the people really regarded John's ministry as being from God, as indeed it was. So he had of these things, and yet his time on earth was short. It's fairly impoverished. It was not comfortable in almost any meaningful way. It was filled with difficulty. And even it was separate from the church that would grow into uh, uh, around the world. John's disciples became a part of, became followers of Jesus Christ. But John the Baptist didn't have, we don't have John the Baptist churches anymore. Indeed, he wouldn't have wanted it that way. So where did his greatness come in? His greatness came in doing the will of him who sent him. That is why Jesus praised him. And that is why Jesus himself was great. Now, Jesus did many miracles. John the Baptist didn't do miracles. Jesus did many miracles. Jesus wasn't uh, the uh, Savior because of those miracles or because he did works of great power. Jesus' power did not come from great signs and wonders. And we know that because Jesus would frequently say, I'm not doing signs and wonders here because this is not right. This is, this is you're trying to get it for your own amusement or entertainment. I'm not going to do this. Jesus' power came from obedience. And John the Baptist's greatness came from obedience, including obedience in service, obedience in humility, obedience in self-effacement, obedience in the work that God had gave him to do, understanding that there was other work going on, other work greater than his work, and yet he was still called to labor in his harvest field. Now, each one of us, just like John the Baptist, was created for a specific purpose. We may not have been prophesied about. As far as I know, nobody in here was prophesied about in the Old Testament, specifically. That does not mean that we weren't, each one of us, chosen, called, Set for, and that we don't have a specific work that was set forth for us to engage in. Each one of us. No matter the age, no matter the background, we had Jesus who was the, the, uh, from the family of a carpenter up in the, the middle of nowhere. We had John, the son of a priest, who was in the middle of Jerusalem. We had somebody out in the deserts, the wilderness, a kook, strange, strange fellow out in the middle of nowhere. We had Jesus, uh, uh, again, somebody not uh, honored by anybody. But John understood something. He understood his role, he understood his calling, and he followed it. We don't see a spirit of competition in John. 
We don't see a spirit of desire for self, uh, 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 self-congratulation or self-honor or self-glory. We don't see that with John. And you know what? That's the lesson that I take away when I was studying this on the life of John this Palm Sunday. He knew the role he was supposed to play and he didn't worry about other things. He kept his head down and he followed that path. He followed what God placed in front of him to do and he did it with all of his might. And that was what real victory was. That was what real victory was. That was what real greatness was for John the Baptist. And again, we live in a time in which For some, real greatness is fame or money or or, uh, ability to obtain the favor of friends or family or the opposite sex, Uh, glory of some kind, strength. These are the things that we think of as glorious in our day and age and even as Christians. We could sometimes think if our ministry isn't, quote, prospering the way others are, in terms of finances, in terms of seeming impact on various, on various things, then it is not a success. And you know, what do we see in John? A man who did what he was called to do where he was called to do it, in the manner he was called to do it, and received great praise from God himself, incarnate on earth, Jesus Christ, for doing so. So, that's my lesson here, my, my, my sermon here, my message here to myself and to each one of you. As the song goes, brighten the corner where you are. Wherever you are called to be, whatever you are called to do, first of all, Take the time to seek the Lord on where that is to be. And then once you are confident, once you are, have the peace of the Holy Spirit that you are where you are meant to be, where you are called to be, fulfill that role. Work at it. Do what John the Baptist did. And that is the going to be your victory. The victory of Jesus was not the palms. We know this. The victory of Jesus was not the plaudits of the crowd. The victory of Jesus was not everybody coming out to welcome him as a conqueror. The victory of Jesus was on the cross and in his resurrection. In the same way, the victory of John the Baptist was not in uh, becoming the figure figure of great renown, obtaining political power, obtaining uh, uh, wealth or status. It was in preaching repentance to those who needed to hear it, baptizing those who needed to hear it, and dying alone in the way that had been set forth for him. That was his victory. And that is a victory that each one of us can share in our own way. Maybe we're not called to get our head chopped off, Maybe we're not called to wear strange uh, garments and dwell in the desert or in the wilderness. Maybe we're called to have dinner with publicans and sinners like Jesus did. Certainly many of us, uh, that we are all called to spread this doctrine of re- this, uh, this message of repentance. 
but how that manifested may be in a different way. But however we are called to do it, we should do it. We should do it in God's strength. We should preach the messages that God has us to preach, whether they're from a pulpit or just over coffee with somebody in a coffee shop who needs to hear some uh, small message from God. Each one of you has the opportunity this week to fulfill God's calling for your life for this week. God's got a massive calling for your life. You can look back and say, God led me. Hitherto hath God helped me. But God also has a plan for your week. God has a plan for the remainder of your afternoon. God has something that he calls you to do for as long as you're living. Like John the Baptist, may each one of us follow, obey, learn, and uh, eventually conquer in what God has called us to do. Let's close with prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for uh, the amazing testimony of John the Baptist. Lord, I thank you for a, the, this story of one who was called, one who was prophesied, one who was mighty, one who was courageous, and yet one who was also humble, who understood what the part he was called to play and played it. Lord, I thank you for uh, his example. And Lord, I thank you as well as we enter into Easter week for your example of one who had every opportunity afforded him for uh, uh, the, the excitement of this world, the, the, of good things on this earth yet, and Lord, who chose instead to uh, be our example to live and to die, to, take, uh, to rescue us from our sins. Lord, I pray that even during this week, our mind would be focused on you and your things, and Lord, we would live out the calling that you have for each one of us. In your name, amen.